Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, Invisalign Treatment with Mandibular Advancement with Dr. Sam Dar. You will earn one CE hour for attending today's program, and you'll receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, the CE hour will automatically be added to Invisalign DoctorSite account. Please note you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you'll have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance if we're unable to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign Doctor site, where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dr. Sam Dar. Dr. Sam Dar is a top 1% Invisalign provider and has been treating Invisalign patients with clear aligners in his Vancouver, BC practice since 2000. Dr. Dar is a member of the American and Canadian Association of Orthodontists and a fellow of the World Federation of Orthodontists. He received his DDS from McGill University with distinction in 1994 and master's degree with a specialty in orthodontics from the University de Montreal, where he also taught undergraduate orthodontics. So without further delay, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Sam Dar. Dr. Dar, you now have the floor. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. I'll be talking about treating growing patients, class two patients with an Invisalign system with a new feature. I wanted to start off by thanking my associate, Dr. Kenneth Lamb, my colleague and my friend for being meticulous and helping me quite a bit during the study uh, and putting this presentation together. So thank you, Ken, from the bottom of my heart. This is an outline of what we will be discussing today. We'll go through uh, an introduction, a quick introduction. Uh, we'll talk about some of the team features and the newly added mandibular advancement feature. And I'll be sharing uh, a couple of cases uh, with the new mandibular advancement feature. And we'll talk in general about indication and the benefits to this new modality. So going through the introduction, Invisalign has played a big role in my practice. I want to share with you what I've done historically with treating patients with class two aligners prior to the new mandibular advancement feature and some of the conventional appliances that were used in the past. I want to share with you the role of Invisalign for teenagers in my practice. With six practices in Canada, two of those are Invisalign only, downtown Vancouver and downtown Calgary. So we've been using Invisalign for a long time. We've treated thousands of patients with Invisalign adults and teens. But I must admit that the teen crowd has been the fastest growing Invisalign group. These kids nowadays are connected. They have their smartphones, they go online, they do their research, and they come ask for Invisalign by name. They know what they want. And because of that, more teenagers are coming in asking for Invisalign treatment. And knowing that the prevalence of class two malocclusion is quite high, especially in teenagers, almost 50% or just shy of 50% of the population actually uh, suffer from either a retrognathic mandible or retrognathic dental alveolar complex. In other words, either a skeletal class two or a dental class two. And these patients seek treatment and we want to be able to treat them at the right time and we want to be able to address that issue. So that's a large group of patients that we need to address. 
Now, these are some of the conventional appliances that we have used in the past over the last 50 or 60 years or so. We can use elastics. We can use the Mara, the Forces, or the Herbs appliance in combination with fixed appliances. The same can be used with the two supported appliances, functional appliances as well, or the traditional removable functional appliances, the twin block or the bionator that will help advance the mandible. But if you look at these slides, you can see how much the bite is open in these removable functional appliances. Now, Invisalign treatment with a mandibular advancement. This is a study that several doctors in North America and in Europe have participated in. We started about a couple of years ago. It's a single appliance that was really simple, efficient, and patient-friendly. And we did quite a bit of testing, and the results were absolutely amazing. So let me share with you a little bit of the design. We have buckle flangers or precision wings between the first molars and the premolars. And as you can see on the screen, they actually extend a little bit buckly. Then they're made of the smart track material, which has held very well. But during the study, we noticed that some reinforcement of the material will help. So the design was changed to reinforce the structure of these precision wings, and that has helped quite a bit. But you notice early on, I showed you the traditional functional appliances. You notice in this case that the interarch opening is a lot less, about a millimeter and a half to two at most, which is really the thickness of the plastic. So this minimal interarch opening has contributed to a lot of comfort to the patients going through the treatment. So a closer look, basically, if you look at a dentiform or a class two, once the aligners with the mandibular advancement feature is placed, that mandible is placed forward almost edge to edge. And we'll talk a little bit about the advancement uh, and how that happens. But for a growing patient, when the mandible is placed forward, basically, whether through dental alveolar advancement or whether through growth modification for six, nine or 12 months, we end up with really nice class one results. So it's, it's certainly reliable. Every single one of our patients in our office that we tested ended up getting positive results. So that was really, really encouraging. So looking at how it works, basically, it's simple. It's no different than any of the removable functional appliances. It forces the patient to move the mandible forward into a class one or sometimes into a super class one position. But the aligners at the same time allow us to align the teeth a little bit more, especially in the upper arch. And this feature is available for team products only. We will be taking a closer look at some of these features. So it works very well on class two skeletal patients. And again, we're talking about growing patients, class two with a retrognathic mandible, or it could be a patient with a dental class two as well in people that have a weak mandible, certainly will benefit from the treatment. The study, as I said, was done. We have a little over 200 patients treated with the appliance in Canada, the U.S., and in Europe, and the results were amazing. Looking at this chart in general, 42 of these patients that have finished the treatment completely at the time of setting the slide, we looked at some of the numbers and some of the important numbers right here. If you look at the change, the WITS appraisal improved by two millimeters in this case. A and B has improved by 1.3 degrees. The lower incisors did not flare out. The, uh, the lower mandibular plane angle went from 99.8 to 100.8, which is really a one-degree variation, which is really promising. So all the results were measured on these 42 patients that have finished the treatment completely were certainly promising. 
So it certainly does change our approach to treating patients with aligners, patients that are in class two. What I wanted to touch up on quickly are some of the features that are already present into the teen product. Eruption compensation are there for molars, but more importantly, now they're available for canines. And as you can see in this case, if we have a primary tooth, if we have a primary canine, we certainly can virtually extract it and then allow a canine eruption compensation to allow the adult tooth to come in so we don't have to stop mid-treatment and take new scans for new aligners. And that is certainly an advantage over other functional appliances. And you can see it's on the teen tab and it will simply allow a space for the eruption of the canines. And this is a nice live example. Again, you can see how the tip of the canine on the top left-hand side is just peeking through the gum, but there's enough space allowed to erupt that one tooth while continuing with the mandibular advancement feature. The other thing is because we're talking about teen patients with sometimes a late mixed dentition or early adult dentition, second molars may not have erupted yet. And because we don't want them to super erupt, we have these molar tabs that will prevent the sevens or the second molars from super erupting while in treatment. And this is a closer look at a seven that is partially erupted. It certainly allows enough occlusal emergence to level with the sixes with the first molars, but not beyond that. So for these canine eruptions, uh, the software defines the size of the erupting canines and second premolars if they're missing based on the contralateral tooth, which is a really good estimate usually. And we'll talk again a little bit more about that. These eruption compensation tabs can be found on the treatment overview paper as well, whether in the paper or online. And this is the shape that they will take. Now, the treatment with the mandibular advancement feature Let's look quickly at the prescription form and maybe the inclusion and exclusion criteria. What we're looking for are patients with a dentition whereby the teeth are fully erupted except the canines and the second molars. So if the canines have not erupted yet or if the second molars have not erupted yet, they certainly can be included. But if the first molars are missing, they cannot undergo the treatment with this feature. It is possible to have the Ds and the Es, basically the primary molars present if the root structure is strong enough, whether the uh, lower fours or upper fours were congenitally missing or not. So long as the Ds and the Es are present and they're solid and the root strength and the root length is strong enough. We can't have any supernumerary teeth present on the buccal side of any of the molars or premolars. If we look at the treatment flow, just to put it all together, we take records uh, to submit and we fill a prescription form and we go through, and all of this is done in one phase, we go through a pre-mandibular advancement phase. And this is usually the initial alignment, minimum of four stages, but it usually is more than that, especially for class two, diff two patients, whereby the teeth are aligned. So the alignment begins at the same time as the mandibular advancement. Then we go into the mandibular advancement phase whereby the mandible is advanced in increments of two millimeters, which is what we call a jaw jump to get into a class one. The minimum number of aligners are 26 in here. And we'll talk a little bit more about the advancement in a second. And then we go through a transitional phase. The transitional phase basically is a minimum of four stages or what we usually or normally call in orthodontics, the holding phase whereby the mandible is being held forward to stabilize result and 
allow the new set of aligners to be fabricated. So this holding phase is usually done with any functional appliance that advance the mandible, and it's no different than in this case with the aligners. But the benefit is it also gives us time to fabricate or to set up a new ClinCheck to do the normal standard Invisalign treatment while the mandible is set forward. And then the retention phase, and I usually use Vivere retainers for these patients. The retention phase is the same as we would use after the standard Invisalign treatment. So as you see right here, this is the first ClinCheck. We'll be put together the pre-mandibular advancement phase and the mandibular advancement phase along with the transitional phase is one ClinCheck. And then we can go through a second ClinCheck, which is the normal standard Invisalign treatment on that patient. So the way when we fill in the prescription, if you look in here, it says mandibular advancement, which this will be new in Canada and certain parts of Europe, the mandibular advancement feature. When you click on it, it'll show you how to order at this point. You go through a teen case. It only applies to teen cases. And as we go in, it says mandibular advancement feature. You click on that mandibular advancement feature and that will take you to a different slide or a different page whereby you can fill in the photos. You can fill in the regular normal bite photos, right and left overjet and an anterior overjet. But I certainly recommend to add the buckle shots on the right and on the left-hand side in an advanced position, maybe at an edge-to-edge. -edge. Like I said, these are optional photos, but I certainly recommend them for you. And one advice I have for you is when you advance the mandible, it would behoove you to align the midlines a little bit better. This way you get the advancement. At the end, you'll have a symmetrical right and left-hand side, class one. So pre-mandibular advancement, mandibular advancement, and transitional aligners are done in one ClinCheck. Early on, we talked about this being in one ClinCheck. You certainly can make some modifications to these aligners as the teeth are being aligned simultaneously as the mandible is being advanced. But there are some restrictions, and most of you can appreciate why these restrictions apply. The pre-mandibular advancement and during the mandibular advancement phase, we can't do any IPR. The attachments cannot be delayed to the third aligner. They have to be put on from the first aligner. Basically, we, we don't have the luxury or we don't need that luxury of waiting a couple of aligners as we want patients to get used to these attachments. So there's no delay in attachment. And they also help with the retention of the appliance. There are no passive aligners in the pre-mandibular advancement and the mandibular advancement phase either, but we still have them available in the standard Invisalign phase. And again, there's no overcorrection and most of you can appreciate that. There is no overcorrection because the correction is not complete just yet by the end of the mandibular advancement phase. So staging, you can't really do much for custom staging either. And again, we will have all these options available in the standard phase anyways. So to quickly take a look at this, we'll look at the pre-mandibular advancement phase whereby we align the teeth. And again, this is crucial in class 2, diff 2 patients, whereby the upper incisors will need to have buckle crown torque. So the buckle crown torque is usually applied on the upper anteriors to allow us to advance the mandible without increasing the interocclusal distance. And that's important. So we can start with the alignment, we can start with the rotation correction as well, and then the mandible is advanced. Even during the mandibular advancement, those teeth continue to align a little bit more. And as we get to the transitional phase, I don't want to call them passive aligners, but they're similar or they're duplicate to the last mandibular advancement phase, whereby they simply hold 
the mandible forward. We're talking about four stages, which is four weeks. So the mandible is being held forward for about a month to allow to stabilize the bite and at the same time, allow the standard aligners to be fabricated. If you need to increase that stage from four to six or eight, what have you, you certainly can request that. So if we look at this and if we look at it in general, let's sort of dissect it a little bit more. The pre-mandibular advancement phase, overbite and overjet correction is what we're working on, especially in class two, diff two cases. We want to create that overjet to allow the mandible to move forward during the mandibular advancement phase. Here we're moving the mandible. We usually move it in increments of two millimeters at a time. You don't have to request it. This will be the default. But I know our practice philosophy varies and Align Technology wanted to give us the option. If you'd rather move the mandible forward all in one shot or simply make it maybe a three millimeter advancement or even four millimeter and just do it in two steps or in single one step. That's certainly up to you. You're the doctor. You decide what works best for you. But if you don't specify by default, it will go two millimeters at a time, which makes it a little bit more comfortable for the patient. And then you go into the transitional phase. And like I said, these are really duplicate of the last set of mandibular advancement phase aligners. And there's a minimum of four, again, being there to hold the mandible forward while we get into the standard phase. Now, you'll notice two phases right here, TB, which is a transitional bite, and treatment goal. These are sort of placeholders, if you want to call them. There's no aligners being fabricated for this. This is really to show you what it would look like if the bite is an occlusion, and the treatment goal is what you're hoping to get. But then from this point, you can take new records and request the standard Invisalign treatment. So I just wanted to cut it into pieces and show you how that works. This is the pre-mandibular advancement phase. Class 2, Div 2, we're proclined the lower anteriors at least 2 millimeters. And you can see why it's 2 millimeters, because the, the step itself is about 2 millimeters. And moving forward into the mandibular advancement phase, again, the teeth continue to align in the aligners as well. And as we go into the transition, a virtual vertical opening is approximately 1.5 millimeter, which is amazing, which is better than any of the functional appliances out there. So it's really somewhat the thickness of the aligners and simply to disengage the mandible and allow it to move forward. So it's quite comfortable. Clinically, we notice that patients are quite comfortable with it. And we don't have much struggle with these patients. The mandibular advancement feature will be covered on the treatment overview. Now, I just want to quickly go through this compatibility. Extraction that are not under precision wings, those you can add if you want to add extraction. Attachments cannot be added underneath the precision wings for obvious reason. Second molar stabs and canine eruption are present. Precision cuts can be present if you choose to have them in there. And we still have the compliance indicators, which we have on all our teen cases. Now, it is limited staging for teeth under the precision wings directly, which are usually the first molars and second bicuspid. There's no anterior-posterior movement greater than one millimeter. We're talking about tooth movement, not jaw movement. We can't do overcorrection and customization like we talked about early on. Any features that need to be added underneath the precision wings will not be compatible because we want to maximize the contact between the wings and the teeth. And because the wings don't cover the tooth, uh, the clinical crown 100%, these features may not be compatible. So Align decided not to add them in there, and I believe that was a good call. 
So just going quickly through it to summarize it, stage zero is where we start treatment. After the first jump with precision wings, and that's usually two millimeters at a time, and then a second jump, another two millimeters. And again, remember, you can modify that, you can customize it, you can do it all in one jump. Or if you have a six millimeter over jet and you want to make it in two jumps of three millimeter, that's fine. All you need to do is specify. Otherwise, each jump is two millimeter until we get into an ideal class one. And as we get in here before the third jump, if need be, whatever it takes of jumps of two millimeter or as you decide. And after the last jump, we get into that transition bite whereby the teeth are being held forward. And by the end of it, we should be ordering the standard Invisalign treatment. So if you look at this video, just to show you, you'll see early on the few pre-mandibular advancement phase alignment. It's a minimum of four, but certainly can be more than four stages, one week per aligner. In this case, in this example, we're moving the mandible forward in two steps, two millimeters each. Alignment continues underneath the teeth, and you can see the end result. So as we go through these, New records are not needed as you move from one phase to the next, as you move um, into the mandible. But I'd certainly recommend once you get into the standard Invisalign treatment to take a scan and new records for you and for accuracy of records for the aligners to be fabricated. And here's the special instructions. Like I said, early on, you can specify if you want to veer from the protocol. And this would be a clint check. Let me go into the clint check. We'll take a closer look in here. Uh, this is the initial stage. Uh, we'll go through a few stages whereby the lower anteriors are proclined forward. And as you notice in this case, it took about 10 aligners or 10 stages instead of four because we want to create at least two millimeter of overjet to allow the mandible to move forward. Now, as the mandible move forward, this is obviously an exaggerated picture. The opening is about one and a half millimeters only, but the mandible, uh, the aligners keep straightening and the upper anteriors keep moving forward, allowing us right here space for the second jump forward. Teeth continue to align. Um, and as we progress forward, we get to a point where this is the transitional bite. If this is not to your liking, if this is not perfect, then you can certainly take records and go into a standard Invisalign treatment at this point. So it's all under one patient. It's all under the same ClinCheck, and it certainly makes our life a lot easier. And here's where we talked about treatment instructions, if you would like to use your preferences and make certain modifications. When you get into additional aligners, now we call additional aligners, in this case is the standard Invisalign treatment, then there's no restriction at this point. You can use your preferences. There are no precision wings, so you can use your regular normal preferences for a regular Invisalign case. And going through these, Again, you can place attachments. The only thing I would recommend is you remove the attachment at the end of the mandibular advancement phase. You want to remove them for a lot of reasons. You want to remove them so you can get a better scan. And the other reason is there's a good chance that these attachments may not be needed for the standard phase. And it does make the patient happy having those attachments removed because they may stain a little bit after a bit of time. So just remove them, start fresh. Consider this a fresh new case at this point and it's a standard Invisalign treatment moving forward. So let's look at a case that we treated in our office. 
last week, as a matter of fact, we finished completely. So she's class two with a diff to her upper incisors are tipped in lingually a little bit, but she's certainly a full cusp class two on both sides. So let's follow through her treatment, 12-year-old female. She was compliant, and that certainly helps. And compliance is easy with these appliances. It's not that difficult to convince the patients to wear them. Class two, both dental and skeletal with a deep bite, 100%, and about four millimeter, uh, a little bit more. I'd say five millimeter class two. So her total treatment time from A to Z was 18 months. So let's follow through. Again, remember that the current aligner wear recommendation is one week, and that works beautifully well. So let's look at this, the initial. As we go through, there she is, three months into the mandibular advancement feature. She's getting closer to a class one. She's still a mild class two, but if you look at the molars, you certainly can appreciate how much closer she is into class one. We're still working on torquing the upper incisors. In six months, she's sitting much closer into a class one. She's edge to edge at this point, but you can see there's a little bit of spacing on the lower anteriors. We haven't really gotten into the standard Invisalign treatment just yet. And that's after holding the bite or the transitional bite forward for about three months with no other movement. And you can see how much closer she is. Now you notice the molars are in nice class one. The canines might be another millimeter or two shy. So what we decided to do is go into a normal standard Invisalign treatment. We added class two elastics. You can see the buttons on the lower molars. We added them into the aligners. So it was 14 aligners to coordinate the arches, level and align and coordinate the arches nicely. And the class two certainly helped us with the last millimeter or so. And by the end of it, and we just debanded her uh, last week, she's sitting in a nice socked in class one relationship, molar and canine, nice ideal overbite over jet. And you certainly can appreciate here the pre-treatment and post-treatment photos. Again, that's about four to five millimeter adjustment, which is quite impressive. All of this is done, not only the class two correction, but the malocclusion correction, all of it was done in 18 months. Again, let's look at the change in profile. If you look at the E-plane, you can see that redundant lower lip, how it protrudes forward, how the mandible was set back. If you look at the throat, chin angle and distance, it certainly improved because the mandible located moved forward, basically a better line angle on the jaw as well. And if you look at the Ceph superimposition as well, you can certainly see the anterior over jet is quite visible. You see how much of a correction. You can see the lip inversion, how much that improved. The mandible moving forward with a much nicer profile. And I have to tell you, that's what really motivates these kids when they start seeing results. As the mandible moves forward and they notice simultaneously that they're what they call an overbite that is correcting at the same time. So this is a beautiful result. This is encouraging. We've been getting good results with all our patients. This happens to be one of the first patients that was finished completely, and I wanted to share this case with you. So initial end of the mandibular advancement phase, you notice a little bit of a posterior open bite simply because we have not leveled the lower curve of speed. But by the end of it, even on a Ceph, you can see the nice interdigitation between the upper and lower posterior teeth. 
So moving forward again, just a little bit more of a superimposition of the tracing. Again, the green is the final tracing. Here we're simply superimposing on the lower border of the mandible, but right here you certainly can see how the lower incisors have moved forward without tipping. And that's an important point for functional appliances is to maintain the lower incisors at an ideal upright position. And a closer look in here, again, you can see the molars when we do the tracing, cranial base, you can see how the lower molars have moved forward quite a bit, about five millimeters or so. That's a full cusp class two, basically. So the treatment in my practice and in my office, some of the benefits as we went through the study, we wanted to see how the appliances work. But what we also wanted to see, Dr. Lam and I, what we wanted to see is the patient's reaction and the parent's reaction, because that's a big part of the treatment. Much easier to present to the patient and the parents. It's easier because it's Invisalign. People know what Invisalign is. They know it's aesthetic. They know retention is good. So we don't have to come at them with a spring attached to braces or a bulky appliance that opens up the interoclusal distance that makes it difficult to speak with. Once you show them and you'll explain to them that these wings or these flanges is what's moving the mandible forward. But other than that, these are aligners. It makes it a lot easier for both parents and patients to accept treatment, especially if an older sibling has gone through something similar, but with other traditional functional appliances. So the aesthetics and the function go hand in hand. Mom's concern usually is the function. The kid's concern is usually the aesthetics. And you're basically addressing both of these issues at once. There's also the dental teeth alignment simultaneously with the mandibular advancement. So if you think about traditional functional appliances, remember what we have to do. We either go through a pre-phase whereby we do a two by four or some sort of appliance to get the teeth ready for the functional appliance, then go through a functional appliance whereby the mandible is moved forward, but the teeth are not being moved. And then you go into a phase two, what we call a phase two treatment. And then we go into a full orthodontic treatment. In this case, what we're doing is we're grouping it all together. We're getting into dental alignment. We're going mandibular advancement simultaneously. So again, it cuts down on treatment, but parents and patients love it. And they understand that total treatment time will be a lot less than traditional treatment. Now, one of the other things that I'm thinking in my days of using functional appliances, the retention on this appliance is amazing. In other words, when you have them in, one of the things that we do is when we insert these aligners with the precision wings, we talk to the patient on purpose. We ask him questions and we just want to see how they talk and how they answer back. And these kids, absolutely no issue. It's a lot easier to speak as opposed to a bionator or any of the other appliances whereby patients have a hard time speaking. And these kids, these teenagers are in school. So compliance ends up or wear ends up being a lot less than ideal. Whereas in this case, it's a non-issue. They only need to take these appliances out to eat. The aesthetics, again, is a lot more visible. And as most of the removable functional appliances, even the fixed one, they give you puffy your cheek and puffy your lips, and these kids have to force the lips together. And you can almost tell they're wearing something or they have something in their mouth. Well, in this case, really it doesn't. You don't see. The mandible moves forward. The profile immediately looks better. And that encourages the patients to wear them. They can speak with it. And when they have their lips sealed, nobody can tell that there are any appliances in their mouth in the first place. So it's comfortable. You know, functional appliances are bulky. Like I said earlier, it's really hard to speak with them. Sometimes they impinge on the gum and none of these issues exist with these mandibular advancement feature appliances. Think of that in less emergency visits. There's less breakage. What's nice about this is patients change their aligners once a week. 
these aligners can easily withstand the force for a week. So unlike other functional appliances, be it fixed or removable, an emergency visit is a long visit for these appliances. It's not something you can always or easily fix in the chair. Whereas in this, there is, because these flanges or these precision wings, they simply move that mandible forward. They've been reinforced. So the worst emergency is... I lost the aligner, I took it out to eat, and I forgot to put it back. But because it's a one-week change, it's easy to skip into the next aligner. So it really is less emergency visit. Parents love it because they don't have to miss work, and kids don't have to miss school either. And chair time for you is a lot less at this point as well. But the one thing that I remember struggling with is clinical records for normal functional appliances. Whether you're putting a forcer spring, the time it takes to measure and add the spring into the rod, or whether you're doing removable functional appliances, these are technique sensitive. Getting the mandible to move forward, having the patient hold it in there, uh, using any bite registration that you choose to do, make sure the mandible, the midlines are aligned and all of that. Clinical records with the mandibular advancement feature appliances is a lot simpler. It's a lot easier. And, and certainly, I hope most of you have scanners by now. So it's as simple as scanning the arches separately and then having them move forward into the position that you'd like them to move into. Align them in line, put them edge to edge. If they're class 2, div 1, or if they're class 2, div 2, you want to do it in increments, align it and snap a shot with the scanner on the right and the left-hand side. That's all you need to do. So that makes the time to take clinical records the same as taking clinical records for any Invisalign patient. And it's much easier to plan and measure the advancement. So you bring the patient forward, you look at the profile, you look at where the molars are falling, and then you decide how the patient reacts. I think for this patient, they can't tolerate six millimeter jump all at once. I want to do three and three, or I want to do two and two and two, or I want to do it all at once. So while taking the record, the orthodontist can decide how much to advance the mandible because that will give you a good idea about the patient's behavior and acceptance because moving the mandible forward two millimeter, we've never had a patient ever complain about that. It's almost trivial movement at two millimeters. But phase one and phase two have become one phase at this point. And that's, again, important in both the patient and the parent. I want to spend a little bit of time on this because from a patient acceptance point of view, having to put a patient through a phase one with a different fee. And mom usually turned to us and says, what about phase two? How much? How long? When does it start? And the answer to all these three questions is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll wait and see. Well, now you can do it all together. One of the other advantages that I like with this new feature is you can start in late mixed dentition as well. You can actually start aligning the teeth in late mixed dentition during the pre-mandibular advancement phase and during the mandibular advancement phase. You can actually start working on the overjet. So even in the late mixed dentition, if the canines are not there yet, or even if the E's are present and the roots are long enough, and you look at a patient and you say, the dental age and the skeletal age or the chronological age do not coincide. In other words, chronologically, they may be nine years old, but their teeth tell me they're 12 and they're just about to hit their growth spurt. So this is perfect for these patients. You start with phase one, and then in their mind, it's not called phase one, phase two anymore. It's just one phase. We'll move the mandible forward, we'll align the teeth, and then we'll get rid of these wings and we'll continue aligning the teeth. And that's how they see it. So it's one fee. And what I didn't mention earlier is the fee is the same. So we add these precision wings to a teen case, but the fee is still the same. 
and that's perfect because there's no additional cost to the doctor and that can translate usually back to the patient and their fee will be a bit less so you go through phase one and phase two not only is it simultaneously not only is it faster it's probably a little bit cheaper to go through it all so 18 to 24 months and you're done and that we found by the end of the the study that that was probably one of the biggest advantages and what we liked the most about this so just to touch a little bit more on this treatment can start at the beginning of the growth spurt regardless of the dental age so you can start at really the criteria limits you to not having the canines in so you can start a little bit early in the late mixed or early adult dentition so now you can go by the growth spurt not by the dental age and this is what i really call the missing link this is what connects phase one and phase two this is probably a misnomer it doesn't connect them it actually merges phase one and phase two so you have continuity of treatment so a patient doesn't have to go through a phase one and then decide, you know, I don't want to go through phase two or something happened or I want to go to another orthodontist for phase two or what have you. Now this is all put together. And again, that makes it easier not only for the doctor, but for the patient as well. And for long term, let's say we got a patient where the growth spur is just didn't hit exactly what you expected. And the treatment ended up being 30 months instead of 18 months, which is not abnormal timeline for these patients. Well, you can hold them, you can extend the treatment with the flanges, and it's a lot more comfortable. Those of us that have done the forces spring have seen the laceration on the inside of the cheek or those bulky appliances, the removable appliances whereby after six months, the patient is fed up and doesn't want to wear them anymore. Well, if for whatever reason, the treatment is, is prolonged because the mixed dentition is sort of taking its time before it jumps into transitions into the adult or the permanent dentition, then we, we're continuing with comfortable aesthetic aligners. So compliance will be a lot easier at that point. And this is especially beneficial for class two diff two patients. I touched on that with the upper incisors being tipped in with normal traditional functional appliances. We have to go into a pre-treatment mode, be it removable appliances or, or maybe a two by four fixed appliances, procline the upper anteriors maybe for about six months, then jump into a functional appliance. Then when you're done, jump back into braces. Well, this can be done simultaneously as these upper incisors, central incisors flare forward. Then we'll continue with the jump slowly. So it all happens simultaneously, cutting down on time. I already touched on chair time for doctor and staff is drastically reduced. Not only we think of the patient's time, but we should think of the staff time and the doctor time. So it's, again, it's normal Invisalign records with moving the mandible forward, taking a picture in there and taking up, scanning the bite in that area. Really, that's all we need. So it doesn't take much more than that. And you can set each doctor can use their own treatment philosophy and set the mandible forward at a distance that they feel comfortable with. And that fits their philosophy. So it is a lot less technique sensitive when you have a new employee on board. There's not explaining and how to do the bite registration and how to move the mandible and how much to move it forward. This is a lot simpler, especially when you have a scanner in your hand. So overall treatment becomes generally shorter simply because we're combining the stages. So it's not that the aligners treat faster in a sense that it moves the teeth faster. This is not it. You're actually combining two stages, moving the mandible forward and aligning the teeth simultaneously. That certainly makes the treatment time shorter. And, you know, those of us that work with teenagers certainly appreciate that one aspect. The cost effective part is that you actually pay one fee for the functional appliance, so to speak, and for the aligners, and the fee is the same. Now, in my office, what I do, I don't charge phase one and phase two. I charge 
one fee, which is a little bit more than sort of a normal treatment for, for the extra time and the extra effort and for my expertise in it. So it's still cost effective to the patient because they're not paying two separate fees. They're paying one fee, which is slightly higher than a full treatment. And from my end, my lab fees are the same. So the treatment will be a little bit longer. So I charge a little bit longer. So it's cost effective to both the treating doctor and to the orthodontist. So there are many benefits to this. Again, I keep touching on how easy it is to get patients to accept treatment, both from a parent and from the child, because it is aesthetic, because they know their teeth are being aligned at the same time, because they know the chin is moving forward. That improves the profile, because they don't have a hard time speaking with it, because there are no emergency visits. All of that really makes it a lot easier to present to the patient. And every single one, no exception, every single one of our patients when we presented this study, when we were going through the study, every single one of them nodding their head before we even finish telling them what it is. As soon as we explain it's an Invisalign and it's aesthetic and it does the same thing that the other, they nod, yes, they're ready to go before we even finish the explanation. And that happened with every single one of our patients. So that was good. That was nice to see. There's a lot less struggle for us. Um, and I think really, in my opinion, this is a game changer. I think this is just going to change our approach and our look on class two treatment with a retrognathic mandible. So just to summarize, so from personal experience, these are probably not clinical, but maybe patient management. Please, when you talk to your patient, my advice is when you talk to the parent, don't neglect the patient. These teenagers are smart and they take offense to the fact that you're not addressing them directly. So what I normally do is I put mom and or dad next to the patient and I address and I look them in the eye, both of them, because I need both their help. The other thing that I found help is we have a MAF Invisalign typodont that we actually show the patient so they know what to expect. Regular Invisalign with these wings on the side. And then I have a regular functional appliance. We have a bionator that we show them. That makes that decision so much easier. Switching aligners is once a week. You can comfortably and easily do that and get good results. So class two elastics, what I found is I use class two elastics in the post mandibular advancement phase during the regular standard Invisalign treatment. I like to use it in two cases. If I already have a class one, technically you don't need those class two elastics. But what I like to do is use them at nighttime only just to maintain the results. You certainly don't have to because most of us are obsessive compulsive and like to maintain those results. It might not be a bad idea adding those elastics during the standard treatment at nighttime only. Or like that other case where I showed you, I was still a millimeter short on the class two. Just remember, out of five millimeter, we corrected four and now have a millimeter left. Well, instead of ordering, and I certainly could have ordered more mandibular advancement aligner, I elected to stop there, be a millimeter short, and do the standard Invisalign treatment with class two because I judge she still has growth left. And because those class two elastics have worked well for me in the past for a lot more than a millimeter. So I figured one millimeter full-time wear, certainly class two elastics can help me with that. Now advancing the mandible, that will rotate the mandible forward. And you may look at the picture and see a posterior open bite. We did not create a posterior open bite. All we've done is we've separated the upper and the lower arch move the mandible forward, it has to rotate. And at that point, that deep curve of speed that we see on most, if not all of our class two patients, it becomes more visible. 
So don't let that throw you off. You move the mandible forward. You realize it's a posterior open bite. It's not a posterior open bite. It's simply an exaggerated curve of speed that can exhibit itself at this point. But remember, these are growing patients. So the vertical dental alveolar growth continues until the age of 18 or even 19. So having these teeth, I don't want to say extrude. It's more like erupt into a class one with aligners, with or without elastics. They'll work very well even without elastics. You certainly can do that. Remember, this is the same reason why periodontists and dentists don't place implants on patients until the age of 18 or 19, because the vertical growth of the dental alveolar complex continues till the age of 18 or 19. And that's going to be our friend. That's actually going to help us level the curve of SP in the lower arch, just like you saw with my last patient. Really, we didn't even use up and down elastic. So it does work beautifully well. You have growth on your side. Use it. So leveling that curve of like I said early on, is usually not a challenge. So it simplifies and streamlines the teen Invisalign treatment. It's one continuous treatment as far as the patient is concerned. And teens love the improved profile. Like I said, we study, we look at our patient. They like the fact that we put the appliance in, they ask for a mirror, and they look from profile and they see how the mandible moves forward without having that fullness of the lips that you see with other removable functional appliances. And the retention of the appliance is great. You know, it sits on top of the teeth very well. Patients don't have to worry about talking, sneezing, it coming undone whatsoever. The retention of the appliance is great. Again, these are some of the issues that we usually encounter with other removable functional appliances that are non-existent here. And again, like I said, they love the fact that what they call the overbite, which is what we refer to as the overjet, they love the fact that we're fixing it all at once. We're lining the teeth and we're fixing their overjet at the same time. And whether you advance the mandible in one step or in increments, because we've done some whereby we advanced the mandible all at once, or we advanced it in increments, we found the end result was the same. Again, because we're doing study and because we wanted to see the results for ourselves, would it make a difference in terms of either time or results? And we found the results were equally good, whether you advance all at once or whether you advance it in increments. And that was an important point to us. So now we really pick and choose based on the patient. So, you know, a delicate patient that will think moving the mandible forward six millimeter is way too much, then there's no harm in doing it in increments. So at least we know that we'll be getting good results. And instead of overcorrecting into super class one and the mandibular advancement phase, which we tried in a couple of patients, I would rather get into a class one, keep it in a class one and maintain it with class two elastics in the post-mandibular advancement phase and the standard Invisalign treatment. I find that helps me a little bit more rather than getting the patient into a super class one. So I get them into a class one, stop there, maybe maintain them for about three or four months. Then by that time, I should have the new standard Invisalign aligners and maybe throw in class two elastics at nighttime to maintain it. But again, that's a treatment philosophy. Whatever you prefer to do, you have the option of doing either. But from my personal experience, I thought that worked best for me. So it is ideal for class two patients, growing patient, and I would use them on a full cusp class two. This is not something I'll be reluctant to use a full cusp class two elastics on aligners or distalization, but a full cusp class two on a growing patient using those mandibular advancement feature work beautifully well. So in my opinion, any class two that is more than two millimeters, I will use these features two to six millimeters, basically a full cusp. I would use them 
anything less than two millimeter, chances are if it's a growing child, class two elastics by itself will work well. Uh, certainly there's no harm in using them with two millimeters as well if you choose to, but you know it's a question of preference and anything from two to six or two or seven millimeter, certainly you can use these mandibular advancement feature appliance with the teen Invisalign and you can count on good results. And again, you can extend it for as long as it takes because we know growth is not the same on all kids. So some uh, growth spur may extend a little bit more. The growth might be a little bit slower. There's no telling ahead of time, of course, but there's no need to tell ahead of time. All you have to do is monitor the patient. And if you need to add a stage, if you need to add additional aligner with those precision wings, then by all means, just request some more and keep moving until you get the results that you like. So it is simpler. It is efficient. It is absolutely patient friendly. And I enjoyed doing the study. We had excellent results. And I really think this is going to change the way we practice Invisalign on teenagers with class two. Thank you all. Thank you, Dr. Dar, for a great presentation. All right, our first question today is, what are the blue marks on the occlusal surfaces? Okay, so th those are articulating paper marks. Uh, so as we're doing the study, uh, we, we had to stick to thorough um, rigid criteria. And um, so even though we were taking photos, even though we were taking scans, um, I believe some of the doctors might have been uh, maybe in Europe using still PVS impressions. So the articulating paper were simply to help mount the cast together. Uh, they're not needed right now. They're not part of the study. Uh, like I said, it was, it was rigid criteria. But for now, you don't need to do them. But they were correct. They are articulating paper marks. All right. Have you treated cases where maxillary expansion is needed prior to class two correction? Um, yes, I have. I'm going to answer that question generally. I've done in, in this case, again, because this is a study whereby Health Canada and the FDA and all the licensing bodies, what have you, have, we have to stick to strict criteria. So we, we didn't pick patients that needed actual uh, expansion. We had some constriction that we were able to develop the arches rather than expand with aligners, maybe increase intermolar distance three millimeters or so with aligners alone. But as an aside, I've done, um, I've treated patients whereby expansion was done first um, on, a, on a growing child. So we'll, I'll, I will do an expander, a fixed, ex, fixed expander, expand for about three weeks or so, keep the patient in retention for about six months, and then scan and start a regular Invisalign treatment with class two elastics. So that was prior to the mandibular advancement feature. Um, I've done it that way in the past, and I suspect uh, now that this is the, the mandibular advancement feature is available to everyone, they will uh, there were there will be some cases that I may need to do expansion first um, and follow up with uh, with aligners. So I don't see a contraindication to that if needed. All right. Is there a minimum number of weeks suggested between a two millimeter jump? Uh, no. It's no. So basically, what it is, what we're trying to do in between the jumps is. Um, align the teeth and coordinate the arches so that the next two millimeter jump, uh, the arches will be as coordinated as possible. So that varies from one malocclusion to the next. When taking the record scan, do you take the bite in the fully advanced position? Can you clarify the bite scan registration? Okay, so now when we did the study, it was, again, it was a different criteria we had to do. We had to take it in in the um, 
in the maximum intercuspation, and then another uh, bite. So we had this, the submission process was a little bit different. Right now, um, I, if I'm not mistaken, you can simply take, take the, the scan bite uh, in the maximum intercuspation, but when you do the photos, you can take an extra set of photos whereby the mandible is advanced. So um, if, I, if I'm correct, um, I don't think you need to take a second uh, scan uh, where the bite is advanced, but you need to take a set of photos, or it's preferable to take a set of photos uh, with the mandible forward. Now, I need to, I need to check um, with, uh, with a line with, with the head office to see if they, there's a way for us to submit uh, the new bite with the, with the mandible being forward um, on the scanner. So uh, let me get back to you on that, and uh, we should we should make that that announcement a little bit clearer for everyone uh, in the near future. Right. And just a follow up there to that question: Are there any issues getting the posterior open bite closed, and are you finding lots of posterior vertical elastics are needed? Uh, very good question. Uh, we uh, we treated ten patients, and none of them and not, not any one of them needed uh, vertical elastics. I have to tell you, I was ready and prepared to do it. But once you start going, uh, treating patients, what you see on the ClinCheck, the opening is a little bit more exaggerated than when you see clinically. So what you see, what, what you may look at the ClinCheck, um, you, you know, you have to, to accommodate sort of the thickness of the plastic and what have you. But what you, when you end up looking in the mouth and you ask the patient to bite, there is, and I hate to call it a posterior open bite, it's really an exaggerated curvus B that gets uh, sort of noticed when the mandibles move forward. You notice about a two millimeter um, on a growing child, usually leveling the curvus B, adding attachments where needed. That alone has been able to help us level the curvus B. But with all my ten patients, I was ready and willing to place vertical elastics, but I didn't need it for any of them. Thank you. Do you notice if the patients treated with this type of mandibular advancement are finishing with a dual bite? Uh, no, and this is one of the things. Obviously, we we had we had to look for. We had to look uh, closely at this. Um, so I don't know, maybe because we paid a lot more attention because it was a study. But we made sure once the patient is done, we maintain him in that advanced position uh, for anywhere from three to four months just to hold it in place. And we checked, and at every visit, we checked for dual bite. We wanted to make sure we didn't have any. And again, we didn't see any. I'm not saying this may not happen. The frequency, you know, would be the same as you would probably find with other functional appliances, uh, but we, we didn't find any dual bites with those 10 patients that we treated. Have you tried the appliances in adults with mild to moderate class two, and if so, what was your experience? Again, so we had to, because it was a study, uh, because the, uh, the Health Canada and FDA were checking all the records, it was limited, uh, the, the criteria were limited to growing uh, adolescents. So we didn't try it on adults, um, and on the records I'll tell you, um, I, we, we haven't tried it. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this off the record. I wouldn't mind trying it on adults, uh, quite frankly, because I don't see any contraindication to it. These are, this is not how it is meant to be. It's not how it's released by Align Technology. Uh, but then again, that decision is to the treating doctor. And again, off the record, I wouldn't mind trying it on, on an adult, quite frankly, now that it's available uh, without, without it being part of the study. All right. In your experience, do you recommend leveling the deep curve of speed before the MA phase? 
No, uh, no, it will it will be really hard. What we're trying to do here, what we're trying to get into sort of the treatment um, as a patient is in the middle or just at the beginning of the growth spurt. So the difficult part here is working on, on advancing uh, the, the lower arch. So that's what my focus is, because leveling the curve is P, whether I needed elastics or whether I needed to get creative, it's, it's less challenging than advancing the mandible. So growth plays a big role. Having said that, I do level that curve SP a little bit during the mandibular advancement phase, uh, a little bit, and when I get into the standard treatment, post after the mandibular advancement phase, I will level the curve SP at that point. Uh, but no, my concern, my focus is on advancing the mandible, leveling the curve SP a little bit through allowing the extrusion of the premolars, uh, but no, it's, my focus is always on the mandibular advancement first. How do you deal with short clinical crowns? Good question. And again, this is a very fair and very intelligent question because we're dealing with, with um, teeth uh, either late in the mixed dentition or early permanent dentition, and the clinical crowns are short. The way to get around that is by placing, probably incre increasing the number of retention attachments um, on these kids. So the way we dealt with it is, I'm, you know, you, you want to place attachments um, on probably a somewhat larger number of teeth just to uh, retain the aligner. We haven't had an issue uh, with, with the aligner not being retentive, but you know, just to be on the safe side, when I have short clinical crowns, I may throw in a couple of, maybe an extra attachment per quadrant uh, just to be on the safe side. Dr. Dar, that's all the questions that we have. Thank you so much for an excellent presentation today. Thank you for attending today's event brought to you by Align Technology. Have a great day.